Hi, welcome back to another episode of You the Mother podcast by Abby Williams, a space dedicated to supporting, empowering, and connecting all parents in all seasons of parenthood. You can find more supportive content over on Instagram at You the Mother. And be sure to check out youthemother.com where you can reach out to work with me one-on-one or sign up for my group coaching. Don't miss the Parenting with Trauma Project. It is closing in two weeks. Um, this project is so important to me. I worked on this project with three other trauma-informed experts to help you navigate your trauma, show up as the generational cycle breaker that you want to be, and give your child the parent and childhood they deserve. I know for myself, it took me a really long time to even realize I had trauma. So if that is you listening and you're like, but Abby, I had well-intentioned parents. It wasn't that bad. Um, Fill in the blank. I was that person. I was that person. I was best friends with my mother my entire life until I had what I call my awakening, um, where I can go back in time and kind of look at things differently. Um, There's definitely cycles that have been going on in my bloodline for generations and generations and generations. And even with well-intentioned parents, sometimes the impact is not always great. And we have to come into adulthood, do some healing, do some work, uh, break some of those cycles. And so even if you are one of those people who feel like, but was it all that bad? I don't have these big T traumas. I don't even know if I identify with some of my hurts and pain points as trauma. There are so many videos in this 22 video workshop that will speak to you, that will help you be that parent that you want to be, navigate some of those triggers, um, understand what's going on inside of you, parent your inner child alongside parenting your child. This is a profound workshop and it is for everybody. So make sure that you grab it. The link is in the description of my podcast and you you will not regret it. It is amazing. And the, the other experts that I worked on this with, go give them a follow. Chaz, Maggie, Logan Cooper, um, amazing clinicians who are putting incredible work out into this space. So be sure that you're following them along as well. And in today's episode, I'm welcoming on Amber Trueblood. Amber is a licensed marriage and family therapist, a best-selling author, speaker, and mother of four sons. She has over 25 years of experience in mental health and co-founded MECA Project to help teens and young adults thrive mentally and emotionally through conscious awareness. Amber has been featured in People, Oprah Magazine, CNN, Motherhood Maternity, KTLA5, Good Day LA, and many more. And you can learn more about Amber over on her website, ambertrueblood.com. She is here today to talk to us about some of our addiction to overwhelm. She talks about anxiety and overwhelm and has a unique definition around what overwhelm is. She delves into anxiety and the five styles of anxiety. Each has distinct contributing factors, emotional triggers, superhero traits, and life lessons. I loved having this conversation with her and kind of diving into what mine are, what hers are, 
what these look like, maybe how your partners show up. Uh, She just gives such good insight into how to navigate overwhelm, which I think as busy moms, many of us struggle with. You can find Amber over on Instagram at official Amber Trueblood. You can find her again over on her website, ambertrueblood.com, where she has an anxiety style quiz and the 10 things every overwhelmed mom should know. I will be linking those freebies in the um, description of this podcast, as well as the link to her Facebook group. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And if you do, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started in supporting you, the mother. Amber, welcome to You, the Mother podcast. I am so excited that you are here joining us today because I think this is a topic that I need along with all of my listeners and followers. Um, So I'm excited that we're going to have this conversation. Thank you for joining me. Tell me, listeners, a little bit about yourself. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to connect with you and with your whole audience here. Um, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm mom to four boys. They are right now 10, 12, 14, and 15 years old. And we live in San Diego area, like North County, San Diego. Mm -hmm. I have lived here for the last, like, four years or so and very much loving it. In fact, everybody's home right now. So it's like, okay, what are we doing with everybody? And why didn't I think of camps? But then, oh wait, camps are like so dang expensive and the older ones are like too old for camps. And, you know, but I had a little bit of that beginning of summer freak out. Like, why am I, I'm not new to this. What am I I doing? I did the same thing this year. We're like, if you don't sign up for camps in February, then, then you, then you don't, you don't do camps. Like they're you're all, just out yeah, of you're just out of luck. Right. So like the first week of summer, I'm like, oh my gosh, what was I doing in February? <laughs> and then everybody talks to you like, of course, like, don't you know? And I'm like, I know, but I didn't know what I was doing yeah. yet. I didn't want to commit Same. to a bunch of stuff. Same. I don't like to be held, you know. But now I'm like, what am I going to do with these kids when I'm working? And <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And it's so funny. So after this on my on my to-do list yeah. is to write my weekly newsletter about like strategies for summertime yeah. stress for moms. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, good. Cause I'm going <laughs> to trial every one of these. And I have been this whole week. So we're just right alongside of all of the listeners, just Perfect. roughing it, overwhelmed. You, yep. You're not alone. You're not the only one. Yep. And we're with you. I know. I hear you, Amber. I'm in the same boat. Um, So this week we're talking about overwhelm and anxiety and how to overcome some of our addiction to overwhelm. What do you feel like that means, being addicted to overwhelm? So I guess what I mean by that, and addiction is kind of a trigger strong word just to like get our attention, like, am I addicted to overwhelm? Am I, have I become so accustomed to this constant state of exhaustion and go, 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 do, 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 show up for others, respond to others' needs. Like, has that become such the, just my regular day, like what I'm doing all the time now that if I don't have that, it feels weird Mm -hmm. or it feels like I'm missing something or like I'm being lazy or I'm not being a good mom or, you know, what is that? No, it's actually not that at all. Yeah. 
it's not that at all. So what if we create a new norm that's not this constant state of overwhelm? What if we actually become comfortable with some ease in our life, some space in our life, some downtime in our life? And then once we see the benefits of that, then it becomes more easy and less guilt feeling, guilt inducing to create that space and time in our schedules. And we can talk about like strategies of like, what does that mean? How do you actually do it? (laughs) And how do you do it in a way that feels that you feel so strongly about it that not only do you not feel guilty about it, but you like you exude such a sense of confidence that that's so important to you and your family and your emotional well-being that other people come up to you and are like, Abby, well, how are you doing this? Because I want what you're doing. I'm still feeling frazzled and flustered and going in a million directions. And like, it's actually not serving any of us. Yeah. Like not only just moms, but like I would offer to say like it's not serving your kids for you to be a flustered, spinning, frantic, overwhelmed mess. Like what are we modeling for them? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I classify myself as an overfunctioner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. really hard. Um, I think that it's something that has like served me in my life though. And so like that's where some of these things can get so hard. Where like, you know, I need to stop dancing with the overwhelm all the time and, you know, being like chronically burnout and over-functioning and over-giving. And I do need to like press some pause, but then you can look at some of these stages of your life where it did serve you. It helps you get through certain times and you're like, oh, is this all bad? And then you start justifying it in your head and you're like, oh, so then it turns into a whole mess. Um, so I guess, well, and that's where, like, I do think I love this yeah. anxiety styles framework that we're going to talk about yeah. because it really helps you gain some self-awareness mm-hmm. so that you can then say, okay, great. Where is this serving me? Yeah. Like you said, right. where is this serving me? And not only just move on to the other part, but like, let's stop a minute and like acknowledge and celebrate where it's serving you. Yeah. And like the traits and characteristics and abilities that you've developed as a result of that anxiety style that are amazing and not everybody has. Like, let's take a minute and acknowledge those for ourselves first, right? Mm -hmm. Because we really can't expect others to come along with an award and a pat on the back if, if it's not coming from you first. It's it's rare, yeah. I'll say. Yeah. Like let's not hold our breath waiting for the big party and champagne, right? Yeah. So and then let's look at where is it maybe not serving you? Or maybe it used to, but it's not serving you anymore. That's so a where big one for is me, it not yeah. serving you anymore? Yeah. And what do you want to do instead? How do you want to show up for your life instead? And what are the strategies? Because I'm all about like what does that mean? What do I do tonight mm-hmm. at eight o'clock differently? What do I do tomorrow morning when I step out of bed differently? And so what are those very specific practical strategies that are going to help me that like might not help my sister or my cousin or my neighbor or my best friend? Like what is it specific about me that's going to serve me at this junction in my life? Yeah. And that can feel like an identity crisis sometimes. When you like kind of come into like these new like Mm -hmm. seasons of, okay, what was working for me, maybe my whole life isn't working Mm -hmm. for me anymore. And then Mm -hmm. you're kind of like, well, then who the heck am I now? (laughs) 
I think the identity crisis comes when you like, you're ready. You know what you want to let go of, yeah. but you don't really know what you're grabbing onto yet. Yeah. So you're like, yeah. you're like agree. swinging on one vine and you're like, um, I want to let go. I know this isn't working for me, but you're like, ah, like free falling yeah, to the next limbo. vine. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I, I would offer to say like, I don't think it's that hard, mm-hmm. but it's, um, it, it maybe maybe I'll put it this way like it's simple it may not be easy but it's simple mm-hmm. and a lot of it like to figure out which vine you want to grab onto next and and there's kind of two parts to that one is giving yourself the gift of that space and time yeah. to figure it out so important and I'm not saying like you're gonna have to rent a cabin in the Ozarks by yourself for three months <laughs> although like, that would that's be nice not realistic right <laughs> we can fantasize yeah. but it might not happen um, but there are ways that you can add stillness and quiet. And when I say that, I don't mean like literal stillness and quiet because that doesn't ever happen in my house. Same. Um, I have four kids as well. And it doesn't ever happen in my brain, right? Yeah. But I teach my brain. I've slowly like through different meditation and mindfulness practices, breathing practices to have those moments of calm, mm-hmm. those moments of calm and ease and breath. And then it starts to pop in. Then you start to hear those like kind of deeper intuitive like gut answers to the questions mm-hmm. and and they and then they start to come and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, like that feels right. And the more you do that and the more practiced you are, like it'll come. So there are ways to to kind of find that next rope and what that is. Um, you just have to decide that you're important enough to take the time to do it. Yeah. And you it's are hard sometimes. You are. You are. <laughs> I know, but like that permission, you know, that takes work to kind of get there and give yourself that. Well, and I don't like stuff that takes work. So, in the sense that <laughs> if you if you're pushing it, yeah. like if you're ugh, like just then it's not going to stick. So what I would say is and this the anxiety styles when we dig into those that's going to help us find like what your core driver is and let's use that to our advantage. So I love like I love brain hacks because there there are times when you don't have time to go journal or talk to your best friend or go for a hike or go play tennis or do whatever soothes you, re, like reinvigorates your emotion, your emotional state and helps refuel you. Sometimes you don't have that time. So I like, you know, I like to find tricks. So one of the things I would say is, you know, find what does motivate you. So yeah. if it's, if it's, if you're like in this mode where you're just like, it's all about the kids, ask yourself like, is me feeling this flustered and this like loss of identity? It, what am I modeling for my kids? Mm-hmm. What happens when they go through this? Like, how am I talking about it? How am I showing up for my own emotional? They can tell when you're off. Yeah, They can tell when you're off. And you know it because then they're off. <laughs> and, then, and then at and the then end of the day, you're like, why is everybody <laughs> screaming at each other? What's wrong with you? And most of the time, you I mean, not always, but often we can think back to like, well, pretty sure I started that at about 10 a.m. when I came in barreling through. Like, My oldest and, is now at the age where he calls me on it, yeah. like when it's mm-hmm. me. And I both love and just like, oh, this is a hard stage that we're coming into. How old did he? He's 13. He? he just turned 13. And uh, yeah, yeah, he just knows me now. So what does he say? 
And so like we, so for his 13th birthday, we took him for a solo trip because we have four kids as well. And we've like made it a thing that like 13 seems like a good age so we can do like these solo trips and they're big enough to go do big kid things, but you know, I don't, but not like old enough where they're getting into some of the moms. Yeah. And they still think you're cool to (laughs) hang out with. Yeah. So it was like a good age. So we took them on a birthday trip, but it was like, go, 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 go the whole time. Like we went out to California. We did a lot of the national parks. We did a lot of sightseeing and it was very like on the go, which was Mm -hmm. fine. Uh, We wanted to cover a lot of grounds. That was what he chose. But by day, I don't know, towards the end, maybe like two days into like before we're leaving, I'm starting to get cranky. And so I'm picking fights with my husband and he's like, my husband's great. He never fights back. He's like, really? (laughs) He's like, whatever. Yeah. So he's like, you know, trying to squash (laughs) it. And I'm like, no, I want to like keep going. So my son is like getting now on edge because of all the, you know, little bickering that's going on. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the matter? And he's like, you are what's the matter. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, Marcus, my husband is a stepdad. Marcus is trying to like squash this and you're just keeping it going. Like, stop. Because now it's affecting my mood. And like, I was so. I love, I, I love him. I hated I love it. I hated it. And I'm so appreciative that he's able to like speak to me that way. And call yeah. me on my stuff and that we have these relationships and that it's like safe at my house where you can call people and criticize in a healthy, constructive way and say, hey, cut the bull. You're being crabby. Yeah. He's trying it to end like it. like he did Let's it go. respectfully it so too. Nice. Like it he was, was so straight. Nice. He was straight. It was so nice. He was exactly right. And I was like, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm going to go take a moment <laughs> and like <laughs> regroup. And then we're going to go on this hike that... I'm a little crabby about, but yeah, so it was fine. But, you know, I think that it's hard some of these ages. (laughs) And it's brilliant to like use our kids that way too. And you know, which kids you have that you can help them help you. Yeah. And it sounds like he's one of those as I was just sharing that with my 12 year old this morning Mm -hmm. because I was irritated with him for being loud when uh, some of, uh, some of the household was still sleeping and he was I could tell he was like, seriously, like, what is the big deal? And part of him is like, well, shouldn't they be up by now? Um, And so I was like, hey, it's a it's a trigger topic for me. It's a sensitivity Mm -hmm. I had because I had many years where I did not sleep well. And every little thing wakes you up. And I said, you know, when you're a mom and you have a new baby and, you know, you're very attuned and so you sleep very lightly. And so I had like 11 years where I did not sleep well. Yep. And I became very upset if somebody disrupted my sleep that was not a baby. (laughs) If there was like a grown up, (laughs) I would be upset. And, and then when you have little ones that are napping, Mm -hmm. that becomes to say, so I was like explaining this whole thing to him. And he was kind of like, okay. And I said, and sometimes it just takes me like leaving the house at that time where half, because when half the people are awake and half are asleep, I'm like, everybody just walk on tiptoes and whisper. Yeah. And nobody in my house can, knows how to whisper. It's, I don't <laughs> Even know they're whispering is like shouting because that's my house. <laughs> they literally can't do it. My husband literally will be like, can you? And I'll be like, yes, I can 100% hear you. But he can't hear himself when he whispers, so he thinks I can't hear him. Is any, can anybody relate? Yes. <laughs> yes. And My so I'm like, okay, 
either I like need to leave the house in the mornings like that, if possible, mm-hmm. like when we were homeschooling, that's what I would do. Unless there was like somebody was sick or it was a very specific circumstance yeah. and it was really important. But like my expectations were are probably, no, they're definitely like out of whack. Like there's no way I can keep everybody quiet. I know. We're just nuts. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I told him this quick story. I'll just yeah. do this very quick story. When they were all little and they're all stair steps. So like when, you know, when my youngest was born, the oldest was five um, like had just turned five. Mm-hmm. And so I remember at that time, my husband had been, had certain projects where he was working nights. So he would come home at like five or six in the morning and try to get a few hours sleep. So I would like try to get these four little boys like <laughs> dressed and fed and like out of the house as quietly as possible, which is like ridiculously yeah. impossible. <laughs> and then we'd like walk down the ho- down the block to like the little diner and be like, we're going to go, we'll go have breakfast down. We'll go have pancakes or whatever. And so I get everybody out of the house and we get on the sidewalk and we're walking and this big rig, which is weird, like happened to be on a street and it goes by and my three-year-old goes, bum, bum, like gives him the hand signal to blow the horn. And I'm like, no. no. And of course the guy's like smiling and goes, bam, bam. And I'm like, oh my God, just tried so hard. And we got out of the house quietly and then you asked a big rig to honk it's hard like oh my gosh I can't win we try really hard to win though don't we we try so hard so hard so Amber let's kind of delve into I guess anxiety and the five styles of anxiety yay okay so we have the lover yeah the fighter the executive, the dynamo, and the visionary. And each of these five has different like contributing factors. Yeah. Each has different emotional triggers. Each has different, like we talked about before, and I call them superhero traits. Yeah. Like let's stop and acknowledge the amazing personality characteristics and abilities that you've developed as a result of this style. Yeah. Like that's amazing. And not everybody has it, which is an important part to acknowledge and celebrate because I think the very point of acknowledging and cel- not the very point, one of the benefits of acknowledging and celebrating your superhero traits is really realizing that like not everybody can do that. Not everybody is good at that like you are. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. But like let's not expect everybody to be able to do this because they can't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> not everybody can do what you can do. And that's okay because they can do other things. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, And then, right? Like, how snarky was that? Um, Okay. So, and then they each have different, like, lifelong lessons that are not going to be solved overnight, but they they kind of, you're like, what we're working towards. And each of these then, it follows, right? If if anxiety looks different for you and you're triggered by different things than I am, then what's going to help you, like, the practical strategies every day that are going to help you are going to be different than what's going to help me. Mm-hmm. So I I formulated these five anxiety styles as a tool to help people better understand themselves and their own needs and their own like emotional triggers and core drivers so that then they can be more likely to meet their own needs and understand the needs of others, right? And connect and communicate more clearly and also use the right strategies for you so that you can, you know, reduce the stimulation in your nervous system when you need to just calm down, get focused, get centered so that you can think more clearly, 
feel better and move through your day with a little bit more grace and, you know, self-kindness and hopefully joy and ease. Yeah. So Amber, would you mind like kind of breaking down, I guess, like what each one of these five styles kind of looks like so that we can identify like which one each of us are. Perfect. Yes. And there's the quiz too, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that when you guys listen to all of these You'll be like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm either an executive or dynamo. Yeah. And my partner, I'm pretty sure they are a lover. You know, <laughs> yeah. you might, you're going to have some clues. Yeah. Okay. Do you have one you want to start with? Um, let's start with lover. Okay. Yeah. So lovers are driven by their relationships with the people in their lives. Yeah. Like that's everything. And a lot of us, I think as moms would say like, oh, my family is the most important thing. And yes, it might be. Mm-hmm. This kind of is... I want you to consider taking it to the next level. So are you somebody who it's really, really important to you to feel wanted, feel appreciated, feel like the person that you care about, the people you care about want to spend time with you, Mm -hmm. your friends, your family. So if you find that maybe you have to work and everybody's going to dinner or there's a barbecue down the street and all your friends are going to be there and you're going to be on a work trip and that just like, oh, it just kills you. Yeah. Or, you know, you find out that some of your girlfriends got together and like nobody invited you. And instead of maybe having that very common like disappointment or like, oh man, I would have liked to be there. Guys, make sure you invite me next time. Instead of that, it goes a lot further. It goes to this spiraling of, well, maybe they don't want me to be there. They don't like me. I said something to upset them. Um, they never liked me. You know, whatever it is, your brain just goes on this not quite rational mm-hmm. spiral, mm-hmm. right? And um, that's when you know you you might be a lover anxiety style. That's when it really, really affects you to your core and your brain kind of jumps to the next, to the worst case scenario. Now, if you already know this about yourself and you've really done some work through this, Mm -hmm. then you might say like, oh my gosh, I totally used to be like that. Now I know myself well enough and I, and I trust myself and I've kind of worked through a lot of the strategies to build my self-worth up. And this is kind of the underlying life lesson for lovers is, you know, have it so that your, your sense of self-worth and self-value is not linked to what you think others may or may not feel about you yeah like that's exhausting right like okay I think Abby likes me today I feel great yeah like oh wait she didn't even say hi to me at drop off like I thought we were friends what's happening oh my gosh and then I feel miserable right so how can I begin to build my own intrinsic sense of self and love and self-worth so that I'm not really at the whims of what I think other people might feel about me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you have like a practical thing that we can use yeah. for lovers? Yeah. So for in the book, um, and it's an audio book too, yeah. I, you know, I break it down t- for preventative strategies and then I have in the moment strategies. So for preventative strategies, I have, um, things you could do multiple times a day, mm-hmm. things you could do once a day, week, once a week, and then once a year, like yeah. a super di- deep dive. So one of the things, for instance, that I recommend for lovers is to have a, get a, like a basket or a shoebox or a big jar and little pieces of paper 
And what I want you to do is, if possible, like if you're new to this, if this is something that you're like, oh yeah, I need this, um, do I would do three yeah. before bed. And I would write out three things that you either like about yourself, appreciate about yourself, you're proud of, or you admire about yourself. Like it could be a trait. It could be, you know, personality characteristic. It could be something very specific that you did that day mm -hmm. for somebody else. Um, and write those down and you put them in the jar. And then when you're having one of those days where you're like, nobody likes me. This person doesn't like me. This person doesn't want to be around me. Like you're feeling lonely. You're feeling sad. You dip back into that jar. Mm -hmm. And I want you to read out loud. I mean, it bonus points if you like read it out loud, like in front of a mirror. Yeah. And you say, oh my gosh, like... You are a super caring person who will drop everything when, you know, when somebody else is in need. Yeah. You're so attuned to other people's um, moods and needs. You really notice when somebody else is struggling emotionally and you show up for them. Like, do you value that? Yeah, probably, especially if you're a, a lover. Yeah. Um, do you do that yourself? Yes. Would you Would you love it if your friends did that for you? Oh my gosh, I would. Okay, that's amazing. Just take a moment, just like breathe that in, take it, like receive the compliment. Mm -hmm. Don't just read it and be like, blah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, whatever. No, like do you wish the world was full of people like that in your life? Probably. Yeah. So it's like taking that compliment to yourself and that's a way to start nurturing your own self-worth and yeah. self-value. I love that. I love that. I always talk about like the inner critic that we have and how I feel like we water our inner critic more than we water some of like the nice things about us. Yeah. Like we just need to start watering some of those beautiful parts of us and be that person. I totally, totally agree. Let's do uh, the fighter. Is it okay. fighter executive or just fighter? Fighter. Just fighter. Yeah. So fighters are all about really um, protecting and surviving and um, challenging. Mm -hmm. So they tend to label themselves as they feel really, you know, tough and resilient, right? And often because they grew up in a situation where they had to become their own protectors and they became their own survivors and they are very resilient and strong and tough and because of that, they've developed all these amazing traits, which mm -hmm. are great. We want to celebrate those. And maybe, just maybe, they are so comfortable in the chaos and in the fight and in the challenge that when things are good in their relationship or in their financial life or in their physical health, it can feel very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And they will poke at things like, are you sure this is good? I don't know. I don't know. I don't trust this. Um, because they'd rather know what they're dealing with yep. and they don't really feel safe when everything is calm because they don't want to let their guard down mm -hmm. because they've probably learned in their past that you can't let your guard down. Yep. You do not want to be stuck in a situation and be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So often they find that, you know, they have big financial ups and downs or big chaotic relationship ups and downs or, you know, other challenges in their lives. And that can be exhausting. Mm -hmm. So this is where I circle back to what we talked about before is where is it serving you? Where yeah. are these traits, right? These tendencies to like bring up, bring it on, bring on the fight. Where is that serving me? And great. Awesome. Keep going. Do it. And where is it maybe not serving you anymore? Where are we? 
where are you exhausted? You're burnt out. You're done. You're ready for ease with money Mm -hmm. or ease with your relationships or ease in your physical health. Like just first get the mindset shift done. Like admit to yourself if and when you're ready. And then if you're like, yes, yes, I'm raising my hand. I'm done. Um, Then you say, okay, what can you do? And there's two things that I can share yeah. and right here. And one of them is, you know, asking yourself, do I skip this fight? Like you've seen injustice. I see an unfairness. I see something happening and my, I'm compelled to move forward as a fighter, like toward it, get involved, right? Protect the people, solve, jump in. Right. And you can ask yourself like, do I have the bandwidth for this fight? Like, or mm-hmm. am I already fighting like six other things right? I'm taking care of aging parents or I've got one sick kid at home right now, or I'm like right in between jobs. So I'm stressed about money. Like, do I really want to add another thing? Yeah. And just know that like, it's not your job to protect everybody. Yeah. It's just not, it's not reasonable. Everybody like they're going to learn something from, from their own fight. Like you're actually taking something, taking something away. It's beautiful. This, this like, this feeling that you have that you want to help that's beautiful but also it's not necessary and maybe it's not really helping that other person too so you so part of it is just kind of checking yourself on it becoming Mm -hmm. more conscious of your kind of feelings of jumping in and asking yourself do I really want to jump in so making a more conscious decision um and then also you know sometimes fighters are like what could be like a beautiful, calm, amazing life for a lover might feel kind of boring, right? For fighters. Mm. So where can you add that feeling of challenge in your life in a way that is healthy emotionally? Yeah. So where can you add challenge? Are you going to start like running sprint marathons? Are you going to, um, you know, what can you add that's like sounds totally wild and crazy and fun that adds that kind of emotional, visceral uh, change mm-hmm. and challenge to your life where you're in charge of it though. You're putting yourself in that situation on purpose. You're not like the victim of like, why do these things keep happening to me? Why does my car keep breaking down as soon as I have money in the bank? Then like my transmission dies. And as soon as I fix that, then, you know, I twist my knee and I have to go get x-rays and like, you know, it's always something. So if you find yourself complaining like, oh my gosh, it's always something like I just can't, I'm like treading water and like I'm always doing this. And you can ask yourself, like the fighter would be a really good chapter to like dig into yeah. and see if some of those tools would be helpful. Yeah. I'm a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. I love it. Yeah. Like my yeah. name is Abby. Yeah. I, I am, am a, a fighter. fighter. I think that there's probably another one on the list that I might teeter with too. I might be like dance between two of them, but definitely yeah. fighters in my toolbox. Um, and my husband like jokes that like I thrive in chaos. Yeah. Yeah. So like let's and own that not... badge <laughs> it's where great. it's serving you. But yeah. like and yeah. the, but you can like cut it up. Like say like yeah. what, what areas of my life with what relationships is this serving me? Mm-hmm. Where where is it not serving me? Yeah. And then what can I do about it there? And then like owning it and being really aware 
of those tendencies is going to serve you so much. And then sometimes it's going back and and doing some of those reparenting tools and those inner child meditations and that kind of work. And so that you can feel more and more safe every week, every month, every day when things are going well. Yeah. And I do have to have some of that like internal talk when you were talking about, you know, like, do I need to show up for this fight? Yeah. Because I will find myself like picking fights with my husband just to like get something stirred up. Right. Right. And he is the exact opposite of this person, like has never been mad at me, has never picked a fight with me. You know what I mean? Like he is so calm and collected. I don't know how I ended up with Well, I do because I I can tell you because something in you has evolved enough that you knew, you knew that that's what you really want. He's safe and that's what you really want and you know you deserve, Yes, but you're still in this habit. Yeah. So I'll like pick fights over like the stupidest stuff, right? That'll be like these whole things. And I can feel myself doing it at times. And I've evolved some more now, but like previously, like when these things would go on, I would like, it was like almost an out-of-body experience where I could like see myself doing this crazy stuff. And I'm like having this talk with myself inside, like, you're being nuts, stop. And I'm like, no, you got to keep going. And I just would, right? Where now I feel like I've done a ton of like my own healing work. And so I do have some of these internal dialogues where I can like speak them out loud to him at times. Yeah, that's great. like, I'm just feeling really resentful right now because X, Y, Z, and this is making me like nuts, (laughs) you know? I I love that. And I mean, one thought comes to mind is like, you could literally name that like inner child survivor, like with uh, the rage, like whatever. Abandoned, I'm feeling, you know, whatever is like my wounding. And I know it's like me and my wounding that's like getting pressed on. And so it feels so valid to have some of these fights, right? Because you're like, my wounding's being pushed on. I need to fight this, right? I would name her. Like I would like really like personify that part of yourself in a fun name, in like a fun, like whatever, the red cape, baron, (laughs) blah, 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 princess, whatever. And name her and then just be like, oh, okay, I see that she's out now. She's taken over. And... That's okay, but like I'm aware of this, and I still am feeling it right yeah. now. Yeah, but she's got the like she's got the the steering wheel right yeah. now. She's driving the ship. And the other thing that's funny, like my sister and her husband do this, where they're like they'll like fake fight. Yeah, and they'll be like, "You're the worst," like da da da, and they like like they say the words, but without any of the meaning behind it, and they kind of like make a game out of it and. So they still get to like release some of that, but they know that each other's joking and they know that they're not taking it seriously. But it sounds like your husband already knows, like he's not taking any of that personally. He's so patient with me. Yeah. He just, he is a beautiful human. (laughs) I really got lucky. And I'm guessing it'll, that'll break the um, cycle of it as well, because you're not getting what you want from it. You're not, you're poking and the bear is not growling back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also something. So it's been really healing, you know, kind of being able to. Yeah. And fighters will do that too of like, how much do I have to push because I want to feel safe. Guilty. And so, you know, we'll, we'll do that. And Mm -hmm. so, and it's, and, and the true answer is 
I mean, I suppose you could keep poking deeper yeah. and deeper and get something. I mean, if you if you really, really aren't working on your healing, yeah. then yeah, you could be like, okay, well, I'll go have an affair. Is that poke you now? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like there right. are things you could do that probably would find a limit, right. I'm guessing. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm sure so so too. you just have to like, you know, not have to, but I suppose, you know, if you want this relationship to continue. Do some healing then, work. <laughs> Then you do some healing work yeah. and, and, you know, and you circle back. Yeah. Okay. Should we go on to the next Yeah, website? the executive. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the executive is about, you know, feeling emotionally safe through mm. instead of the poking and the fighting, it's through control, planning, organizing, mm -hmm. structuring, dependability, knowing what's coming ahead. They tend to make decisions more from um, their head and focusing on the future than kind of these gut visceral decisions yeah. like fighters fighters and lovers are a little bit more in the moment yeah. and a little bit more visceral and intuitive in their decision making. So executives are going to be all about, you know, planning ahead, organizing, protecting others in that way, mm -hmm. right? So by being prepared by like I I've shared this before that my one of the editors for my book it, I'm going to mention the book because I did this this morning. Like I talked about the book 800 times and I never mentioned the name. So in the unflustered mom, um, <laughs> she was editing it for me and she said that she's an executive and she's not a mom. And obviously none of this stuff is particular to moms. So she didn't realize until her mid thirties that it was odd uh, or uncommon that she carried a first aid kit with her everywhere mm -hmm. she went. And she was like, well, doesn't, wouldn't everybody do that? I mean, and I'm a mom of four. I don't have a Band-Aid on me, Same. you know, like ever. <laughs> and so, you know, but it's this, well, somebody might need, need something and I want to have it there. Yeah. And so you could see how like if you're a fighter or a lover and your partner is an executive, you know, you're going to approach things maybe differently. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with, that you don't love each other or that you're, you're not trying to show up in a, in a positive way, but you might react very differently to the same news or the same challenge or the same transition in life. And if you understand, oh, okay, that's, you need a little bit more planning time. I get it. Okay. It's not that you don't want to spend time with me yeah. as a lover. It's that you need, you need some planning and you need to write stuff down and you need to make some phone calls. Okay. You go do that. And then when you're ready to get excited about this weekend trip that I just planned, you come back, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's like, that could be a healthier exchange between two different anxiety styles. Yeah. Um, what about, what was the next one? Visionary. We could do, we could do visionary. Yeah. yeah. So visionaries are all about, you know, wanting to make this impact in the world, having a big dream yeah. that they feel deeply, they're just meant to do. They're meant to be in this planet. And what can cause a lot of anxiety for visionaries is when the people around them don't get it mm -hmm. and they're, they're just not around any other visionaries. So they feel misunderstood or they feel unsupported or, um, and, and, or they feel like they just don't have the bandwidth to make progress on their vision. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm learning more and more, the more I talk about these to people is there's also this component of not necessarily perfectionism, but in like, well, like, like making mistakes along the way, I think, especially for busy moms, 
kind of stops them. Yeah. Like, well, if I don't have all the answers or if I don't have the right product or if I don't have the right offer or the right, you know, um, name for the business or the website font, it, it kind of can, can stop them, get them stuck. Yeah. Right. And so some of the tools for, for visionaries are how do I enjoy the journey and it, and not have it be all or nothing, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm either doing everything I want in my grand plan, exactly the way I have it visioned, or I'm just waiting to do it. And that doesn't feel good either. Yeah. So, you know, visionaries, a lot of the strategies I have are, you know, how do you acknowledge and enjoy the journey along the way to your vision? Because it, it might be a little bit before you get there. And I don't want you to just like wait. Yeah, yeah. And that journey can be anxiety-inducing. Right. The journey <laughs> itself, yeah. yeah. Especially when you like you see others passing you yeah. doing the same dang thing that you're trying to do. I mean, I remember one time reading when I was writing my first book, Stretch Marks, and I remember reading Jen Sincero's You're a Badass. Yeah. And I read the first chapter. I remember exactly where I was. I was in Toronto. I was listening to the audio book. And I was like, she wrote my book. She wrote my book. She wrote my book. And she wrote it better than I did. And la, la, la. I was only the first chapter in, right. by the way. And I was just like <laughs> so irate and upset. And first of all, she didn't write my book. We're totally different people. And even if we're like writing the same messages, yeah. which we weren't exactly anyway, but um, it it's going to be different and yeah. it's going to resonate with different people because you're different people. Yeah. Like it's so now I know that. But at the time I was like, like oh, my gosh. She wrote my book and she did it better than I did and I should just throw this all in the garbage, you know? Yeah. I feel like a lot of people get like that on like our online platforms too. Like, right. right? Like some people have these big growths, you know, and are, you know, so many more followers away from you. But I'm like, just doesn't matter. Like there is space for all of us to be like yes. creating in these online spaces. And I think it's beautiful that there's like lots of different people yes. in the same niche because, you know, some people are going to find the person that speaks to them. Right. And like, and a, you might person. find great friends yeah. to collaborate with. Right. And also you might find like, I was just speaking to this woman who she was a speaker at an event I was speaking at last week. Yeah. Uh, or two weeks, I don't know when, a couple weeks ago. And we really clicked. And so we just spoke yesterday and we're going to do an opt-in swap and all these things. And it was really cool. And she might come to my write your book retreat at the end of August. So like, it's been really cool. And she brought up an interesting point when people talk about like email lists and same thing, like followers and stuff like that is like, you know, it's also just a vanity metric, right? Right. So like, what does that mean? Like, do you, unless that's what you're looking for, like, and I get it when I was trying to publish my first book, like in the publishing world, that really does mean something. They want to see a certain number or they won't even flip and talk to you. So there's, there's all, so there's a time and a place. I'm not judging. I'm just saying, be really clear on what you want. And she was saying that like her email list is smaller quote than whatever. It depends on who you're comparing yourself to, right? Right bigger than most people's um but but she has like a 62 percent open rate mm-hmm. that I don't know if you don't or if you don't know what I'm talking about like open rates like on average sometimes are like 20 percent yeah. so like if you have a 40 percent or I've never heard of anybody with a 60 yeah. percent unless you have two people you know um and they both open it um it's it's very rare and 
so it also depends on like, what's your point? What do you want? Do you want a big email list number? Do you want a big social media list number? Because why? And asking yourself that is really important, both for your own sense of um, self-worth and, and, okay, is this ego? Is this ego? Okay, yeah, it's a little bit ego. (laughs) All right. Okay, that's okay. Like, we can admit that, you know? Like, am I trying to prove something? To who? Why? Because I want their affection, attention, respect. Okay, well, I mean, do you know, do you respect them? <laughs> like, you right. know, what, why do we want their respect? And, and, you know, so we can start to dig a little bit deeper and sometimes just uncovering where it's coming from is just takes some of the weight out of it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I, I kind of don't care as much because I finally really realized where it was coming from. Yeah. I just went off on a huge tangent. No, but I think that like just getting like really clear about like your priorities and not getting like swept up into like some of this comparison trap sounds a lot like the visionary. Yes. Yeah, exactly. See, yeah. circles back. Yeah. I meant that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, I, but it's really hard to do. And I think like there's lots of different areas of our life that we get caught up in some of this comparison trap stuff. You know, I think our modern motherhood really puts a spotlight on that as well. You know, of, definitely. There's so and many different things that we it. do that. Yeah. And we just, I just had my kids watch and I rewatched it with yeah. them, the social dilemma yeah. last night. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad we did because summertime is a time when, you know, a lot of kids and teens are defaulting back to their phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, you know, depression is on the rise. Anxiety is on the rise. Yep. Suicide, suicidation is on the rise and it's heartbreaking, right? Yeah. Um, and social media is not helping. I'm not saying it's causing it. I'm like yelling into the microphone right now. I'm just saying it is definitely not helping. helping. Yeah. I'm not saying it's causing it, but it's not helping. So, um, yeah, watch Social Dilemma yeah. with your kids. Yeah, yeah. I highly so important. It. Even I just agree. the first hour, even just the first hour, like my littler ones, you know, I kind of excused them after after an hour and they were like, they got the point. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. So I think our last one is... Um, dynamo. Dynamo. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So dynamos are all about, they're very driven at their core by their need to accomplish, right? Their need to accomplish, their need to feel acknowledgement (laughs) for that accomplish. You're You're like, I got it. Um, (laughs) They want to feel that, feel that respect, feel that sense of accomplishment. So I always say like, you might know you're a dynamo mom if you have a to-do list, yeah. of course, because you would always have a to-do list, um, <laughs> but you will not only have a to-do list, but you will add things to your to-do list that you've done already that day that maybe weren't on there just so that you can feel that satisfaction of like, hey, I want credit for that. I also did something else. I just yeah. didn't write it down yet. So I'm going to write it down and cross it off. There are people that will look at me when I say that and be like, What? And yeah. then there are people that will just bust out laughing and be like, oh my gosh, I totally do that. <laughs> so uh, I am a dynamo. I do that. Um, and, you know, so some of the strategies I have around dynamos are, you know, A, really slowing down and acknowledging your wins can be very important for dy- dynamos. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things I do personally is I have a friend who is not a mom and is definitely a dynamo. And she and I have a WhatsApp chat. And every night we share three things that we're either proud of or that we want to acknowledge yeah. um, 
from that day. And there are times when literally I'll go to hit record and I'll think, I don't have anything. I don't, I can't, you know, I can't think of anything. <laughs> nothing happened. Nothing, you know, and of course it's always untrue. Right. It's always untrue. Right. But it has caused me to really, then I take a breath, I think about it, and I think, oh my gosh, well, yeah, actually this happened today, and oh, I had this great phone call with this person, and this happened. And then I'm really proud that like I, I stayed in the moment during this, and I did that, you know, and I, and I can always think of at least three. Yeah. So that practice helps me slow down, think about it, acknowledge, and get into a state of, of gratitude and, and celebration for those things. And, you know, one of the life lessons with dynamos is how do I know, really know and believe that I am valuable, I am worthy, regardless of my accomplishments? Mm-hmm. Like you're already, you're already good. You're not going to stop accomplishing stuff because it's fun. You like it. Mm-hmm. Like you're, that it fires you up. It fuels you up. It refills you. Awesome. But it doesn't mean you're more valuable if you accomplish more things. Yeah. You don't have to do that next thing to be any more valuable. You are already awesome, enough, valuable, worthy. You're already there. Yeah. So like you can still, you totally have permission. So like I have like two more books already after this one. And so if I'm writing those books from a place of, well, maybe if I get more, if I have more book sales on the next one, um, then, you know, then what? That I don't know. Like, I'll get more, I'll garner more respect. I'll be more worthy. Da, 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 da. If I'm writing each book from that sense of like, oh, I have to, I want to prove something mm-hmm. instead of like, I just love writing books and I just really want to help people and like, I love learning. And so then I want to like turn it around and like share it with more people. So, like, if I'm writing my books from that space, yeah. A, they're going to be way better books. And they're probably going to resonate with more people because that vibe is going to come across like this neediness versus this like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I want, I have more to share. I got to write another book. I can't help myself. Yeah. So different. Yeah. I agree. I think that so many of these, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like so many of these um, anxiety styles kind of tap into maybe trauma. True or false? (laughs) True or false. Um, You know, I would say we develop our core drivers by big experiences in our life. Yeah. And so, you know, and for some people, it's it's major traumatic experiences. For some people, it's a, you know, some can develop this, you know, for instance, like the executives, you know, I'll say that some of the core contributors that are common for executives might be a lot of... um, transitions in their childhoods, like moving from one place to one place to another, or, you know, um, parents that had a lot of marriages, you know, uh, divorces and Mm -hmm. and new people coming in and over life. So that feeling of like, I want to control what happens to me. I'm going to control what we're doing this weekend. I'm going to organize it. I'm going to know all of the pieces. I'm going to assign everything. You know, that can be a, a defense mechanism that you, that you build as a child to, to feel safe, you Mm -hmm. know? So, um, so sometimes it can be, you know, like minor things that just are become a pattern mm-hmm. for you, mm-hmm. or it could be, you know, very specific, you know, traumatic incidences that, yeah. that then create like, you know, fighters or lovers Yeah, yeah, or any of them really. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, as you were talking about, um, the last one, 
the dynamo. Yeah. You know, I can kind of, I feel like that's one of mine because that was like the only time that you were acknowledged or celebrated in your family of origin growing up, right? Yeah. Was if you were, maybe if I achieve this, I will be accepted in my family of origin. Maybe if I get this degree, she'll love me. Maybe if I do this for them, then, you know, you'll get the acceptance that you're trying to seek, right? Right. And so I think that like so many of these kind of, I could like see how they could tap into some wounding that you're bringing with you. Um, Definitely. And so I know I I lovingly call myself uh, for many years an achievement junkie. Yep. Yep. You know, because I get my high yep. and then I go after my next yep. high. And unfortunately or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at it in this society, it's rewarded. Yeah. And it was rewarded so, like in my family of origin too. It was like my mother would literally say, Abby does better when she's got more on her plate. And like yeah, when I didn't have, when I had, head. yeah, like when I had less going on and I was able to sit with my feelings I wasn't okay. And Mm -hmm. that wasn't okay. You know what I mean? And so like you need to be over functioning so that you are avoiding taking care of you, looking at your feelings, nurturing yourself, you know, allowing space for some of these feelings that were going on. And I just like hope that everybody that's listening finds a way to not be like that. <laughs> well, and I think you know? that you can, like, you know, there are things that you can do that are, that can help that are simple and that yeah. won't disrupt your entire life yeah. and that you can start small because I think that that's more likely to elicit long-term changes when you, mm-hmm. you start small and you pick some strategies that you already feel like, oh, I used to do this and it really helped. And Mm -hmm. then we went on vacation or I had a baby (laughs) or I changed jobs or we moved and I stopped and that's okay. And so I can start up again, you Mm -hmm. know, okay, I need new running shoes or I need, you know, whatever, I need to borrow a racket or whatever it is that, Mm -hmm. that helps you with my, um, nonprofit. It's all about, it's all about the mental and emotional health of teens. And one of the things that I write about often is that, you know, there are four ways that, teens and all of us um, tend to respond to trauma or challenge or, you know, triggers. And that's, you know, they, they either distract themselves, Mm -hmm. right? Distract themselves, lots of things. Some are positive, some are negative, Um, numb themselves, right? So that's where we get into like drugs and alcohol and things. Um, They either lash uh, outward, right? So bullying, fighting, you know, vandalism or lash inward, right? Mm -hmm. So that's really like self-harm, cutting, Mm -hmm. uh, depression, even anxiety. Uh, And so, you know, finding that fifth way, the healthiest ways that you can try to acknowledge your emotions, feel them in a safe environment, Mm -hmm. learn how to move through them in a healthy way and realistic way, not like you're going to be better tomorrow, you know? (laughs) It's like, how do I feel a little bit, a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better? Yeah. Yeah. Amber, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. I learned so much about the anxiety styles and I know that you have so much more information on this in your book and over on your platforms. Can you tell my listeners where they can go and find your quiz and all your things so that yes. they can continue to learn? Well, about everything's these? everything's at the website. Yeah. So I'll, I'll point people there. So okay. if you go to, my name is Amber Trueblood. If you go to ambertrueblood.com, the book is called The Unflustered Mom. You can get it 
anywhere books are sold. Mm -hmm. I always try to steer people toward, you know, independent bookstores or even online independent bookstores, bookshop.org or your local bookstore, but you can just order it on Amazon the next time you order a bunch of other sunscreen and stuff too. So do what you need to do. Um, to get it. It's also on Audible. So if you prefer to listen to your books, you can listen to it on Audible. Yeah. On Audible. And um, But if you do go to the website, you can take the anxiety style quiz and you click on like which anxiety style you are and put in your email address. And then I have a bunch of really cool bonuses. So like a guided meditation that's specific to your anxiety style, a guided mantra practice that's specific to your anxiety style and relates to your, that lifelong lesson that yeah. I want for each person, you know, and that's something that like you do that and you just do your mantra like five times a day when you're driving or every time you drink water, every time you use the restroom or every time you hop in your car, you say your mantra. Um, and that can really help to, you know, start changing that self-talk that you were talking about that inner critic. Mm -hmm. Well, you'll see my email in there in about 15 oh, minutes. <laughs> Yay. Oh, I'm so glad. I definitely could use the mantra. Um, so I love that. That's an amazing resource. So make sure that you guys go check that out. That will be in the description of this podcast as well. Amber, thank you again for joining me and helping me thank support you, so you, the mother. Thank you so much, Abby. I appreciate it. Thanks, Amber. <laughs>